Don't think you're going to beat me to this robe of invisibility, Zane. I'm way too fast for you. Oh, no, I, I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm, I've got a trick up my sleeve. You'll never see it coming. Oh, man, we, we touched it at the same time. Can you believe that? This is like the, the third time this week. It's quite a coincidence. All right, well, I'm going to challenge you to a Shaolin showdown. Okay. Winner takes uh, all the Shen Gong Wu. That sounds good. Uh, I'll, I'll wager my toe polish of extreme shininess mm-hmm. against your uh, battle horn of ultimate victory. I'm in. All right. <laughs> All right. I expected more resistance on your part, but let's go. <laughs> let's go. Okay. So uh, how, 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 do we get, how do we decide who, uh, who gets the robe of invisibility? Oh, I got it. We'll dig to the center of the earth. Okay. Perfect. I, All right. That seems kind of. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I might have an you, edge in this one. You, you said you said that uh, you agreed to the Shaolin showdown, and now I you're agreed in my to world. the terms. Now I agreed to world. the terms. All right, great. So uh, just give us give it fifteen seconds for the world to reshape itself in the most dramatic way possible. Yes. Yeah, how are things, man? Like pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know this battle horn. You know it looks good. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little heavy. Yeah, I, I'm actually starting to regret uh, putting up the, the the toe polish of extreme shininess for it. I mean, they like, look I great. use it all the time. Yeah, I mean, it, go with what works, right? Well, I, I mean, I I saw that you also got those uh, gloves of the shining cheetah. Last week, I, I, I read about it. It, uh, you know, it, Shaolin good job. magazine. Yeah, yeah, Shaolin. Yeah, Shaolin times. Shaolin now. Now, <laughs> Lin. Um, yeah, it, you know, it looked pretty. It, it was a good you victory. Know, you know, life's life's been good to me lately, and you know, I didn't, I didn't expect things to pay off so well, turning to evil. But it's really. It's really coming around. I mean, you can sort of expect it to pay off well with the uh, bag of infinite money. It's a it's a blessing and a curse. You know, it takes a lot of skill to use properly. Oh, does it? Yeah. Um, how's your how's your deodorant of slightly improved odor? Uh, you know what? I, I've actually been uh, I've been logging it, and my odor is just, is slightly above slightly improved. It's uh, it's actually even better than uh, than you'd expect. You know, I gotta respect skills. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, it looks it looks like the world has turned yeah. into a, a series of tunnels. So I am ready. Great. Okay. Super. Um, and let's let's have at it. Tongi Dempai Lento. Tongi Dempai Lento. <laughs> all right <laughs> i'm pretty happy about that <laughs> yeah oh, hold on uh, the mic uh, yeah yeah pretty good I, I i didn't really know how it was gonna turn out but i like how how obviously neither of us knew which direction it was going in <laughs> i was i just wanted to use the idea of deodorant as a 
as a Shengang Wu. I was, the, the way I started out, I, I thought that like you would be this whole like I, I don't think this is a fair trade. <laughs> I would have to like convince you, but you immediately jumped on board, and I'm like, why I gotta come up with something new to be funny about? It's like okay, why? Wait why wouldn't Ben? Why wouldn't I do? Why wouldn't I take that? Like it's obvious I was gonna win. No, no. What I'm saying is like you barely get anything out if you win. Have you seen your toes? <laughs> um, I I had a similar idea for the intro where where we would just have a, a showdown over something stupid that doesn't matter and like Are you the, sure that didn't happen? I mean well I I had the same idea but I figured we would need a lot more just stupid jokes right at the climax. Like <laughs> like at the most dire moment just like say a stupid pun and then look at the camera for a few seconds and just kind of <laughs> awkwardly wince. This isn't Tom Goes to the Mayor's Aid. This is a real-ass show from real-ass Japan or China or Thailand or something. <laughs> it remains to be seen. All right. Yeah. So uh, how, how's, how's it been going, man? Pretty good. A um, little, little warm around here. Yeah, it's getting... Like, I'm, I'm sweating so much that you can tell that I'm sweating. I, I did manage... I, on um, Friday, I ran for six miles straight, which is the most, by quite a margin, that I've ever run. <laughs> Yeah, that that is probably more than I've ever run in in one go. I think I did like a a, a four mile thing for high school one time. But yeah. man, that's crazy. There's a route that I usually go that's like three and a half, and then there's this little tail that I decided to like go forward and back on the monkey's tail. And anytime I go on the ta- yeah the monkey the monkey's tail, mm-hmm. and like the monkey's tail, it's always like three times as long as I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kept going. I'm like. This probably shouldn't be this ha- this hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of other things that get hard, I've been doing a lot of boxing recently, so I'm no oh, slouch yeah. in the physical fitness department either. Yeah. My my. Uh, have you heard about that big, um, the big like fight of the century? Of my course I have. Kept, my students kept talking about it. No, of course I have, Jane. I, I I've been I've been gunning to go see it for the past couple of weeks, and uh, so me and me and Mark and Ulysses and AD went out to to go walk around. Uh, walk around central philly and uh we we had this bar picked out we all get there and it's like it's 25 dollar cover charge and we're like what <laughs> so we decided not to go there and like shalomed around a couple other bars and, and you challenged sure somebody <laughs> i challenged somebody to a shaolin showdown like uh, you do but you know they didn't have they they only had boxing gloves you, you can't even type with those on no <laughs> it's, it's really hard like it's honest. really hard to <laughs> be honest at the boxing gym does that ever come up I, it hasn't yet, but now it will definitely come up every day that I'm there somehow. The uh, so we were walking around Central Philly, and we suddenly figured out, like, based on numerous people's like business owners' reactions, like you have to. It, it, there's different rates for buying the fight if you're an establishment because you get a ton of business if you're one of the places showcasing the fights. Mm-hmm. So almost nowhere was doing it, and we finally gave up, walked 20 blocks back toward uh, toward uh, toward campus. Walked, happened to walk by like an innocuous local bar, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna check in real quick. <laughs> uh, it, it, they are showing the fight for free. There's only like ten people there. It's not crowded at all. It's a nice little hole in the wall thing. <laughs> and we just like happened to luck out, and unfortunately, they didn't actually manage to get the fight up in time. But like, we Still. walked twenty blocks out of our way and then circle back, and we're just like, we start. We can't. We're back where we started two hours ago. <laughs> like, we the couldn't world stay is circuitous. Home. What are mm-hmm. you gonna do? Mm. Uh, it apparently was a fairly boring fight. Yeah, <laughs> I heard that. 
And you know who you heard that from? People who don't understand what boxing is. Oh, yeah? Because think about it. Like, you get up in the weight classes and in skill. It's very easy to knock someone out, even if they're well-trained in boxing. You just have to hit them on the jaw once really hard. Mm -hmm. So these are two people who can knock each other out with one blow. You have to have really good D. Yeah. The gentleman's D. So the fact that their defenses were so good that there weren't any, like, slaughterhouse punches makes perfect sense. See, this is different from where I first heard of the weight classes, which was BattleBots. Um, <laughs> where the... the Tin weight? You know, the heavier weight classes tended to also have more armor. It what was Were they in the elements of their weight class? What does that mean? <laughs> uh, like, uh, like, gold weight? Would they, they have oh, armor no, made out I of think- gold? <laughs> that would be good. That's like mythical where, class. Where is Bantam on the uh, periodic table of elements? Bantam's not an Or element. Welter. <laughs> yeah, that is a little confusing. That's what I want to know. Um, who is Welter? <laughs> Where's Welter? Okay. Welter weight sounds like Walter White. It I does, doesn't it? I don't have a joke it? for that, but it's true. Yeah. You said elements and it reminded me of Breaking Bad. Doo-doo-doo-doo. Yeah. Well, you know what? We can we, we can leave weight classes behind because today we're talking about a sport which is relatively unknown, such as it doesn't have weight classes nor gender division. It does have levels of the dragon, similar to the KKK. <laughs> yeah, doesn't Ray, Raimundo become the grand dragon at the end? Spoiler alert. Leads, yeah, all, the, leads, all, the, leads all the meetings, whereas a yeah, white sheep... I, I just watched that one. I um, it's like I start- a reverse KKK, actually. It's a weird progression. I started at the beginning of the show and watched a couple ones, and then I just looked at like the plot points, and I'm like, oh man, these seem way better than the random one-off episodes. I'm just Do gonna they? check out. I ch- I checked out the major plot line. And I assume you I assume you watched as big as Texas. I did not. Oh man, Zane, th- th- that's why I show. That's why I picked this show for you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was doing you a favor. You'll have to tell me about it in great detail, but we should get the brass tax out of the way. We should get the tax of brass out of the way. (laughs) Yeah, the tax of extreme brassitude. Um, I'll wager them against your uh, production history of... uh, (laughs) Well, we have to introduce ourselves Sesquilocatiousness. Plus 10 brass. Um, (laughs) No, we have to introduce ourselves first. I'm Zane. And my name is Ben, Dragon of Podcasting. And we are the Cartoncast of Sound. If you activate us, you will be able to hear two white guys talk about Eastern cultural influences. <laughs> Except when it's Western. Right. Which is more and, fun. <laughs> and also, as Ben alluded to, we don't know which Eastern. Yeah, it's it's a little it's a little bit hard to hard to peg down. They really should have gone the Avatar route and just made up a world, but right. then we went to had Jack Spicer, and that would it, have been a problem. It might be that we're insensitive. I haven't decided. Yeah, and the reason you haven't decided is because you don't think it's that important to decide because we're insensitive. So, Shaolin, Shaolin Showdown. <laughs> I'm reading. I can't pronounce. X's it's got an at the X at the beginning. And like, like, I'm used to seeing that as a Z. Even xylophone is like pushing it. You're like, I'm. There, like, people told me it was pronounced this way, but there's. I don't have the full story yet. <laughs> I was looking up. Um, Adjectives that begin with the letter X, and there's only two: Xanthus and Zyla. Zangief. Yeah, Zangief. That's right. Yeah, it can be used um, as an adjective. It's very versatile. So Sha- Shaolin Showdown ran on Kids WB from 2003 to 2006. Is this the first Kids WB thing we're doing? 
I think it is. I don't know. I want to say that um, the it Batman is because Beyond, then we aren't uh, unoriginal. I want to say that the Batman Beyond spinoff, the Zeta Project, was Kids WB. Okay, but that I doesn't really count. Well, I think I, you're right, I'm not though. sure if I'm not sure if Batman Beyond was as well as the thing. I, I don't think it was. You might, you know what? Maybe it was. It's possible. Um, but it was created by Christy Hui, who went on to make the sequel, Jalen Chronicles. Yeah, uh, I was actually worried that you might have watched that one instead. I was worried that you watched that one instead. I'm the one who suggested the show. It uh, doesn't doesn't mean that you, you looked know it up I, ahead of time. You know what? I, I, I clearly always do less research into the actual like production, so it was definitely a realer, uh, realer danger with me. So than today it was we're with watching you. Tasmania. Um, <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> um, but Christy let, wanted let to a, make, let a horse die. Zane wanted to make a show that mixed uh, Eastern and Western influences and got something. Uh, similar to Jackie Chan Adventures, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and in some ways, I think it succeeded better. And in some ways, I think it f- fell a little flat. Yeah, so I I agree in the same way. Um, overall, we can talk about which one is better immediately because, of course, it's Jackie Chan Adventures. Well, of course. <laughs> However, uh, this, this show surprised me in how... Um, how much I liked it upon going back. Because yeah. at first glance, it's villain of the week format, obvious, like, kids WB, like, magical artifact. It's like your most basic Eastern D&D setting. It doesn't look terribly plot-heavy or, you know, well-constructed. It kind of just seems sure. like they, they picked a theme, ran with it, and put a bunch of magic shit in. Yeah. But it, what, what it turns out to be is, like, surprisingly well-crafted and well-rounded, Mm-hmm. I felt drama and comedy and, you know, all that horseshit garbage that we won't shut up about. <laughs> it, it had all the necessary prerequisites of a show, <laughs> is what is what I heard from you. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what I always say. Yeah. Um, um, so what is what is the basic plot line of this show? Of this uh, actually, I wanted to say just one more thing about it. It, Kids WB. The, the, the fact that I actually really like this show, and you can say how you felt about it later... But uh, it was actually very critically well received in Kids WB. I think it was like their best, their 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 highest critically acclaimed show at the time. I mean, Kids WB has a lot of I think hits and misses. I th- Granted, weren't they weren't they the ones that did that Mucha Lucha show? Yeah, we'll bring David in for that one eventually. Don't <laughs> worry. He really likes that. David likes really strange shows. I, I know. Yeah, this. Uh, it, it, like like you said, this spawned a sequel, and uh, I think it won an Emmy, if I'm not mistaken. Really? For something or something. Yeah, Daytime Emmy Awards, it won one for sound editing, which is kind of cool. Neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually nominated for it four years in a row, which is kind of neat. I, I don't know how to watch for sound editing, but it I didn't <laughs> notice anything bad with the sound. You just watch the transformation sequences. Oh, uh, okay. It's like, can I distinguish the fire from the water? As it turns out, yes, you can. Good Foley artist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, the, the sound of a bucket of water sounds really different than, than a bucket of fire, as it turns out. <laughs> when you're on water, it doesn't burn nearly as badly. <laughs> it can. Well, Saying you teach a chem class. I know. I know this has come up. <laughs> so, and in fact, it also spawned a video game and a, uh, a, card ga- a trading card game uh, made by Wizards of the Coast. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking at some of the cards right now. It's like all the Shen Gong Wu. Is it like the same artwork? 
Uh, doesn't look like it. But, um, you know, speaking of the Shengong Wu, uh, the basic plot of this is sort of an Eastern meets Western, uh, gotta catch them all sort of, it, it's, uh, I guess the best way to describe it is the way Clay describes his fighting style, which is cowboy kung fu. Mm Mm-hmm. They yeah. they they are technically in an eastern environment, but you forget about it fairly quickly. <laughs> it's it's about these four kids of varying ethnicity and ages, and they're uh, they're stationed at a monastery, which for some reason guards ancient artifacts of power, and they right. have to try to collect all of them once a week. Several um, times a week. There's usually you say. several several like. It's usually two to a show. It opens with one and it ends with one. And uh, Zane, what about the antagonists? Well, so here's the thing. In the first season, it's like you say, you know, you get a couple of Shengong Wu, which are the artifacts. Mm -hmm. And any given episode, they're just doing that. And they fight this guy, Jack Spicer, who who we'll get into. And he's guided by this spirit witch, Wu Ya. Right. Um, also, I don't think you emphasized it enough, but uh, the the antagonist's name is Jack Spicer, which is fantastic. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Like it's a pun that doesn't go anywhere. It's 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 a thing that sounds like a pun. It's like <laughs> yes. a homo pun. I don't know if there's a word for it, but there should be because it's like half the things we say. So the the first season is like that, and then Mr. The and Mrs. S- Spicer, for example. And then the second and third season, there's there's a bunch more antagonists, and some people turn good, and some people turn evil. Somebody it's got a Dave the Barbarian approach to yeah, uh, good and evil, where they're just kind of like... <laughs> Adjectives. Yeah, they're just like... Uh, you drink some character. soup and now you're evil. Exactly. Yeah, that, doesn't that exactly happen one time? It's several times. Uh, people travel through time, there's a yin-yang dimension, like... <laughs> Yeah, it kind of gets off the rails in the second and third season, but I actually really liked it. it. It's it's what a like Western kid who is sort of into that whole Japanimation kawaii thing, and mm-hmm. he makes a show. Like it's still fe- it's technically featured in a in an Eastern setting, but it's clearly made by someone Western. You know, it's, it's got all the trappings. Yeah, 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 and it's in really interesting blend, and it's not the same ratio as something like let's say samurai jack which was this weird sort of uh i I don't really really know how to categorize it (laughs) but uh it's its own thing yeah you you, it's hard to compare to that (laughs) right it's a different order of magnitude but the protagonists and antagonists are all fighting for these magical artifacts and at least once an episode they both get to the artifacts, which are placed round the globe at the exact same moment. So I actually, I actually liked the explanation for this. Um, I think they did it better than they did in Jackie Chan. Um, in Jackie Chan Adventures, there's like twelve artifacts, and they're somewhere around the world, and you go find them. Um, here, they activate, and when they activate, yeah. um, you know. Dojo, who is their kind of mascot dragon, yep. like has has Shengong Wu. That sense. is exactly what he is. And then um, Jack Spicer has a machine, or Wu Ya tells him uh, when when the Shengong Wu activates. So they find oh, wait, out about it at the same the time, and they both have pretty good like who has the like, machine transportation. What? Who has the machine? Jack Spicer, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to hear you say his name again. <laughs> 
Jack Spicer. Jack Spicer. Wanana. So, um, yeah, and th- that's not terrible. Uh, like, the information is coming to them at the same time, which is a step in the right direction. It still doesn't explain how they both show up halfway around the globe simultaneously. Uh, but it's not wave. that kind of show, so yeah. Back yeah, of the envelope um, calculation there. And, and the uh, it culminates the... when both of them touch it at the exact same time and duel for it. In what's called a Shaolin showdown. Right, the, 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 the titular Shaolin showdown. Um, and we should wait to actually talk about those. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think it's... Uh, I think we should explain what it is, because we right. already mentioned it in the intro. Fair enough. So, basically, <laughs> the world gets jacked up on steroids. Yeah. And they... The world suddenly <laughs> focuses all of its dramatic tension into this one place. <laughs> and then they challenge each other to a race. Uh, generally a race. Sometimes they're trying to knock each other off of pillars. It, it varies right. with the situation. But they always wager a Shen Gong Wu, a mystical artifact that they already possess, versus yeah. one of the other teams. Winner take all three. Which, like you said, this is like a schoolyard game of Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's it's Pokemon where the a- animals are inanimate objects or just straight up non-sapient. <laughs> yeah. And in a sort of kung fu movie sort of way, you have to shout the name of the Shen Gong Wu to make it activate. So you're calling your attacks, which I which think was nice. a nice little little touch. Yeah, it makes it makes the audience familiarize themselves with what's going on a bit better. Yeah, which, which is necessary because the artifacts don't really they're they're a little bit uh, what's the what's the word for it? Obtuse. Obtuse is a good way to put it. <laughs> And and the thing I wanted to say about the plot is that uh, the show is you know it's on kids WB the the uh, the heroes kind of need to win sort of intrinsically. Mm-hmm. They but do have setbacks. They have ext- they 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 sort of start gaining lots of Shen Gong Wu like one three per episode three per episode three per episode. They keep on taking Jacks and then like every ten episodes or something, Jack will just steal them all back. From what I can yeah, tell. there's this weird leapfrogging of power. It, it's just it's it's a very uh, it's a very narrative consistent way to even the scales, such that at the end of every episode you're winning, mm-hmm. but you can still have both sides be equal forces on the playing field. Yeah, and I mean Jack Spicer is no slouch when it comes to villainy. He is an evil boy genius. Yeah, he's an evil boy genius. Did I mention he's evil? Did you mention his name's Jack Spicer? Jack Spicer. It's Jack Spicer. I don't think that's as cool as I think it is. <laughs> There's no way. That's... Um, yeah, so that's the basic plot structure, and, and I think it is actually... It's fairly solid. <laughs> it's, it's sufficient. It works for what it is. It works for what it is, and what it is is much... First of all, it's one of those shows where you're. It's like um, it's like Carmen Sandiego, in which your playground is literally the entire world, mm-hmm. and, and all magical objects that you can conceive of. The the thing that I like about the plot structure is it suits itself equally well to the challenge of the week format as it does to the longer, like more dramatic arcs. Yeah, I didn't see any of the dramatic arcs. Is is, is that pretty well paced? I really, I I was really into them. Hmm. I mainly watched, like, one character-centric episode each, and then also my homie Omi. See, I didn't catch any of the character-centric ones, so I thought that two of the main characters had pretty much no character. 
Yeah, you're talking about Clay and and uh, and Kimiko. what's his face? Yeah, Kimiko. yeah. I didn't I didn't get much out of them. <laughs> There's a few differences. I I think they're the weaker characters of the two of the four. Um, I do recommend checking out some of the plot heavy ones. Um, I will give you an awesome moment as an example. Okay. There's a Shengang Wu amalgamation, Mala Mala Zhang. I, I, that's the finish, final, final thing of the first season, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's basically this suit of armor powered by the the, the Shengang Wu. Wu. Yeah, like when the planets align or some shit. And they're like, he's invincible. And Omi uses interdimensional golden tiger claws to teleport inside him and remove his heart. Omi's a badass. <laughs> Omi's not bad. Omi's a badass. Like um, that. That was. That's pretty. That's kind of baller. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, Let's talk I, about I didn't. It, it's not too bad. I uh, I only watched episodes in the first season, and I didn't watch the finale. Um. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure how the second and third seasons transpire. Generally, there's sort of a Cerberus effect where like things just get more serious. Yeah. In, they in shows they, like this. they amp up in a satisfying way. The oh, that's good. The fighting part of it, like random fight over a new shengang wu can take place in the first like minute or so like we're already mid-scene oh yeah and then and then they deal with the fallout more no that that's that's what always happens in the first season as well oh yeah i, yeah. I didn't watch too much from the first season yeah, yeah yeah it's 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 mid-fight and then it reveals some character flaw in one of the main characters and then they you know yeah. uh, that that leads back to the temple um you know Let, let's talk about the main characters because yeah. They're not uniformly interesting, but together they are interesting. It, this is a good team dynamic. Uh, so you got your airbender, Aang. You got your firebender, is Prince Zuko. You got, uh, you got you know, the other two who you don't care about. That's and right. then Sokka, <laughs> in the form of a wisecracking dragon. Right. Not too bad. He's, he's pretty much Eddie Murphy's character from Mulan. <laughs> yeah, almost exactly. Um, or that raccoon <laughs> from Pocahontas. I I try not to like plumb the depths of the internet that much. Um, <laughs> what do you? You know, plumb? I try I try not to go on too many social media sites and like lose hours of my life that way. Yeah. Um, but I did see one thing recently <laughs> where somebody wrote like they want to see a um, like like racially sensitive like all the characters are not like whitewashed version of Mulan. Except they want Eddie Murphy playing the dragon still, but not animated. They they want it to be, like, just Eddie Murphy in a dragon suit. Eddie Murphy might as well be white, though. <laughs> That's not quite what like, I meant. Like, culturally speaking. Sort of the what? same thing. What happened to this conversation? <laughs> I, I don't know. You said whitewashed and Eddie Murphy, and I wasn't going to let the conversation go any other way. Uh so, um, but uh, but the dragon himself is uh, actually Wayne Knight, who's Newman from Seinfeld. <laughs> Newman. Um, yeah. So, yeah, let's actually talk about characters. the characters. Yeah. yeah. The the main protagonist, or or so you, you think, uh, among up, upon watching the first episode, is this young monk named Omi, who's, mm-hmm. at first glance, is a stereotypical monk. He's sort of wise and good-natured and tries to uh tries to be composed at all times but and stereotypically chinese yeah or something it's yeah. not clear <laughs> like he's he is yellow like that yeah. well okay yes he is <laughs> <laughs> like that's not okay right he, he's got like ambiguous dots on his forehead in rem- that's reminiscent of some sort of religion we're not familiar with <laughs> it, it's like 
I don't know. Like fantasy diversity is very funny to me. Um, <laughs> like I, I find it more accessible than like bringing actual diversity into shows. Is just making races up and then seeing how they interact. Like <laughs> the Kunari and Dragon Age and the way people treat them is very interesting to me in a way that I kind of wouldn't be drawn to if it like was like Swedes in real life. Like, I'm just right. like, eh, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Omi is the stereotypic monk that's like wise at first glance but he very quickly you very quickly realize he's too young to sort of be that prudent wise figure and more often than not is sort of the hyperactive doesn't understand social niceties character and he's he's usually played for laughs in that in that manner he needs a bit of maturity before he kind of comes into his own yeah, this is, so, you know, maybe if he just gets some more maturity, he could transform into some sort of magical, oh, wait, never, never mind. <laughs> My bad. But yeah, um, and this is, the the, the the other three characters sort of jo- joining the dojo is sort of kick-starting his maturity in that he's being forced for the first time to study all their cultures and other perspectives on life. And he kind of fails at that. He's not great like, at it. <laughs> he, he gets idioms and sayings wrong in a way that I'm not a fan of. It's pr- it's actually pretty charming. Uh, at one point, he says something like, uh, uh, he's like, I don't remember exactly what it is, but he very badly mangles a sentence, and it can be kind of a tired joke, but Raimundo Ray- says something to the effect of, we're going to do to you what Omi just did to that sentence. <laughs> Which I thought was, it was pretty funny. Um, you say that, like, his introduction to them in the first episode kicks off his maturity. What I saw, his character arc to me seemed like, over the series, he kind of became more of a buffoon. Like, he's, he lets his ego get the better of him over time. He's definitely the goofiest of the of the four. Yeah. But he's also the youngest by maybe a factor of two? <laughs> it's, <hard laughs> it's, it's It's ambiguous, but, like, he might be eight. Not, not, not impossible. Yeah. Um, Although he's apparently that size for his whole life, like Chinese people are. So, Great. Yep. So, you know, he actually might be 20, and it's just hard to tell. But he's a lot like Aang without any pathos, which was more endearing than I expected it to be. I wasn't a huge fan of this character, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I thought that most of the, Aang, the, Omi, the Omi-centric episodes were pretty funny, usually. And... Mm-hmm. It was were excellent opportunities for like anachronisms, not really anachronisms. What, what would you call an anachronism just for place and not time? Uh, cultural, cultural mashup. I don't know what you'd call it. Anagialisms. Okay. <laughs> Analgesic. Um, I don't know. Do you. <laughs> I think I like the uh, villain characters. Not like, fair. Like I think, not fair. His name is Jack Spicer. We're so like even the other villain characters were so much more developed and interesting than the main crew. Disagree. I I don't think so. I think you're thinking about Jack Spicer four times. I I think you didn't get a chance to see the uh, villains in the later later. Uh, no, no. I saw I saw Cat Nape, who was a cat, what was evil and liked stealing that. things. Uh, you had Tubby Maru, the uh, the fat ninja. Uh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. There's also a sentient bean. Yeah, I saw that. That was, that was the thing I could have done without in the show, I think. All right, well, I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I think, like, forget it. Jack Spicer. But, well, so... Other characters. 
Well, before you do that, you you mentioned he's like Ang from uh, you know Last Airbender, mm-hmm. and uh, so each each character has like this element associated with them. Oh yeah, you know what? I kind of forgot. It doesn't like they don't play it very well. No, it comes up a lot, and then they kind of just do what they were doing beforehand. Like yeah, each each character may say their element, and then they'll just like punch or kick a robot. Yeah, and it's sorta in the style that an element would be. But you Maybe. you really you have to you have to buy into it. And it's like the usually when you have like a four element crew, you need to have their personalities match, and they really don't. Uh, they do a little bit. It's no, you know what they do. They do. Like Omi and Ray are both sort of fire, and then. Kimiko, to my knowledge, doesn't have a personality. Clay seems to fit. Clay, Clay always fits. Like, were you ever upset when you watched Clay? No, of course not. <laughs> he says something like, I don't think you have a full grasp of the space-time continuity, partner. Partner? <laughs> I don't think you have a grasp of the English language. Um, yeah. But the, the element theme, they do get a bit better of it once they have uh, special weapons. So... Yeah, they each kind of have a a bailiwick, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, where like a lot of the Shengongwu sort of have an elemental pattern as well. And in some episodes, I started to see them actually using minor little elements. It was like a minor form of bending. Yeah, like Kimiko would actually summon like this little thing of fire. Mm-hmm. So so it actually did come up eventually but at first they just did battle pose said element and then (laughs) then back to what they were doing beforehand yeah in the in the third season like i jumped ahead of season Mm. and i don't even recognize where the moves come from they just sputter out word salad and then turn into a fly what turn into a fly omi gets this power where he's like something something woo jin something water and then he becomes a fly yeah flies like water like i think the element theme would have been better if it was a bit more subtle like uh like fantastic four they sort of put it on the front page a little bit i i don't hate it they they play it up and it does not match its actual import yeah i'll i'll agree with that um it's sort of an extraneous fantasy element when you already have the shengong Wu. That's yeah, absolutely. Uh, that being said, I I didn't mind those splash images, <laughs> but we can get back to that later. Let's talk about the other main characters, right? So uh, we so have we men- uh, Kimiko. We mentioned, yep. Uh, so Kimiko. Yeah, Kimiko is supposedly a hothead. Um, all the stuff I've looked up online says as much, and there is one episode devoted to her being a hothead. But the episode in which it was evidenced was all about people victim-blaming her for getting angry at stuff that she should be angry about. Ugh. So, like, I don't know how much her being a hothead is just sexism in the show. I don't know. It's it's really hard to tell. Yeah. Like, um, she, I didn't like this character at all. She, she was kind of, like, you needed a girl character. You could have made a, a more interesting one. Yeah. She's also her, the, the technological one. She's from, like, other Japan, I guess. <laughs> Mecha Japan. Sure. Like, as uh, it were. Wu-Tai. Yeah. Um, and, like, she changes her clothes every episode. Yeah, I was going to say, interestingly, she's the only character who does that. Yeah. And I actually really like that, but I don't know what it's supposed to symbolize. I think it's just, like, she's supposed to be, like, the hip, trendy, metropolitan-type person. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I can but see But you that. never see them in, like, a city. No, that's not necessarily true. In my homie, my homie Omi, they went to New York City. And homie played basketball with Jermaine. Uh, I... I can't follow that plot line. <laughs> oh man, you don't need to. I feel like we the watched very different episodes. That, that episode was great. I'll oh, tell yeah. you about it later. But uh, let's uh, let's move on to Raymond. Like we spent a lot of time on Omi, but we were diverging a lot, so we can kind of go through the rest of the characters pretty simply. Uh, Raymundo, who I'm so glad we have another character named Raymundo. I'm, I'm so glad that he is actually while. also a surfer. Yeah, he he's doing all right. When I um, saw him having a surfing fantasy, I applauded. Like, out loud. <laughs> I was so happy. Uh, I like this character's uh, plot development arc. Mm-hmm. Um, so he starts off as a jerk. He's very egotistical. And he at, at a couple times, he actually turns evil. He He's extremely, like, aloof. Yeah. It, it makes sense that he's the wind element in my mind. Because he just kind of goes with the flow and doesn't really commit himself terribly hard to dragon training which by the way the warriors once they become fully fledged will be called dragons which is pretty sweet which is, yeah that's pretty great yeah we don't we um, don't mind that we don't mind people being called dragons and, and like you said he becomes like the chosen one or whatever fine fine i i didn't want to think about it i like the team dynamic i hate them having a leader yeah it, it didn't seem necessary yeah well anyway about raymundo he's um very he's brazilian he's, he's very dumb Okay. This is a dumb guy. Yeah, like um he he in the finale of season no, in the beginning of season 2, he like joins forces with Wuya, the the demon witch person. Mm. And she's like, "Hey, turn your back on your friends and everything and you can like rule over the world, but basically like here's a room full of video games and hot cars." And he's like, "I'm in." Sold. Yeah, and like he has like dumb. Three or four opportunities to turn on her and doesn't until the very end. So uh, we actually didn't say it, but uh, this the, the voice actor. Let's let's go down the voice actors a little bit because uh, th- this one's pretty interesting. Yeah, they've got a lot of voice talent here. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things that the show is lauded for, and rightly so. These these yeah. these voices are very appropriate. So uh, Omi is voiced by Tara Strong, who was mm-hmm. Timmy Turner, who was everyone. That that too, mm-hmm. uh, and Kimiko we saw uh, Gray Delisle. Yeah, Daphne again, I believe. Yeah. And Raymundo is Tom Kenny, who is he? And he is ready. He's, he's ready. ready. He's ready. He's, he's ready, ready to kidnap princesses. He is also mm-hmm. the Ice King and Heifer Wolf and oh, yeah. the narrator in Powerpuff Girls. He's everyone. He's just all <laughs> he's over doing, the place. He's doing fine work. Mm-hmm. I was very happy to hear his voice whenever I heard it. It's almost as good as Jack Splicer, but not quite. I um I just found uh the po- a podcast by um, Rob Paulson. Oh yeah, yeah, and he has like voice guests uh, on, and he like does some voices and talks, asks them about their experiences, and it's pretty good. I heard about this podcast a while back when I was looking up stuff about Rocket Power or something, and um. Yeah, so he, like, I keep hearing these names come up again and again. Like, he mentioned everybody on this list. (laughs) Like, you feel like you're playing such insider baseball. You're like, oh, I know those names. Like, you feel like such a fanboy listening about voice acting and animation. Ben, fantasy voice actors? Fantasy voice actors. There's something there. What exactly are you talking about? Like, fantasy baseball or fantasy football? Like, you... Like a voice actor draft? Yeah. Oh, Zane, here's a a unshelled segment. 
Uh, each of us come up with a concept and some voice actors, and the other person makes a show out of it. Ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can I don't know. mine will have a magical warrior. I don't know how that would work, but I like it. <laughs> that, that, yeah, well... <laughs> Let's work. We'll workshop this. We'll workshop this later. <laughs> Let's talk about Clay. Right. Who is uh, voiced by Jeff Bennett, who is Johnny Bravo. Hoo-ha. <laughs> yep. And looks like he might have been Johnny Bravo in a past life. He's this <laughs> big Texan who does not have eyes. So he has developed his uh, other senses to the point at which he can see. Now, that's not an actual plot point. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's an actual thing that happens. He's unable to see because he's got a 10-gallon hat on his head at all times. Um, Clay is interesting. He's got, like, this sort of, like, gentle giant thing about him where he has these, like, random hobbies. Like, he knows all about um, figure skating, and he's, like, very smart. Yeah, he's, he, he's, he's definitely, like, the the silent the strong silent type a little bit and like he's the he's the most patient of the cast like he can just kind of like again the earth element is very relevant he's steady he's the plus one of this group (laughs) i thought raymundo was to be honest there um did you notice um i don't know if you saw this when they started like getting consistent like elemental weapons Mm. his special power is a big old rock dick I don't know. <laughs> Can you please like, tell me about that? Like it's this um like sash that he wraps around his his body like a big old Texan belt <laughs> and he like it turn it, it like zips out and turns into a big rock that smashes things but it looks like a big old rock dick. <laughs> well, that's well, that's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> I I uh I think you should be thanking me specifically for this character. <laughs> like this seems like the perfect thing to see in a show for you you know what i'm glad that this is the american character yeah, the he's, only he's he's pulling his weight it's, here it's just this and jack spicer and they're the best parts of the show <laughs> clay clay clay's um you know texan uh what, what are they called analogies are I think way funnier than Omi's like half heart, like not half hearted, but misrepresented analogies. Yeah, because you'll you'll always get these like Texan truisms, like that <laughs> that moved faster than a turkey on Thanksgiving Day. He'll say stuff like that all the time. Yeah, it's great. I'm I'm angrier than a beaver in a po- petrified forest. <laughs> Very well, Clay. <laughs> Whatever you say, <laughs> you've got it. And I, I like them as a team in in general. I think that Omi they've got good synergy. Omi's definitely the most interesting of the group. Um, but there's there's good, like you said, there's good synergy. They banter fairly easily without it having to mean more, mm-hmm. which is something I always appreciate in this kind of team dynamic show. You don't only you know where some shows are like yeah we're all a team and then they only talk when it's a specific episode about them because it's really oh, about yeah. the actual main character yeah they don't do that here they actually are all part of the team you know yeah it's it's uh it's pretty refreshing I thought that it was a good ensemble type of show yeah that, like demographic aside their personalities just mesh up very well and they mm-hmm. they, they they treat it as such they're they're best friends. Um, which is something that our main antagonist wishes he had the, yeah, the, his, his right noble, honorable Jack Spicer, who is voiced by Danny Cooksey, who was Dave the Barbarian. Um, 
I, I greatest love, character in the show. I love Jack Spicer. <laughs> um, he's like he's so aware of the genre he's in. He, yeah, he, that he just has fun all the time. He's incredibly over the top. Like everyone else in the genre is like, I have to save the world. I have to rule the world. He's like, wouldn't this be fun? And he's here's the thing. He's just as powerful and successful as the warriors who train constantly. But you get the sense he just kind of like got into this as a hobby. He yeah, he was bored. It's like yeah. he wanted he he was bored because his parents throw extravagant parties all the time and he's like oh, I'm rich I'm very smart and I have access to a demon witch who can get me magical artifacts wouldn't it be fun to try to rule the world it's a very Doctor Draken approach to villainy it is and uh, I, I and that makes it, him such it, it a works, shallowly defined character it works in a setting where you don't need to actually explain like his thought process because it's always the same thing you know dr draken he'd be like oh i've got this rube goldberg-esque way to prove that i have the biggest dick and, <laughs> and jack spicer is just like today i'm gonna steal this shen gong wu and i'm gonna do it with wind robots yes yeah wind robots cheerleading robots um let's rank everyone's evil laugh whom i meet <laughs> i'm gonna rank people on how evil they are like He's such a shallowly defined character, but that doesn't stop him from being the most entertaining part of the show. Jack, stop playing with your dolls. I just sensed that a Shengong Wu has revealed itself. It's the sands of time. Can't you see I'm busy? Michelle has no arms and Dana lost her head. She's my favorite. Your girlfriends look like they could use a makeover. Don't listen to her, Christy. She's just jealous. And he he doesn't seem to get that why the forces of good would fight him. He, like he doesn't <laughs> he loves the fact that he's evil, but he doesn't know what that means. Yeah, he's he's playing a part. Like he he's 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 playing this as though it's like part of a stage production. Like you could see him like calling Kimiko up and being like Hey, you know, we just had a really good fight. Do you want to go out and get a milkshake? You can see that happening. Can I read you a literal line from him? <laughs> Please do. I've got like eight scenarios that I wrote down just because I was so into his his parts. He says, maybe someday when we're not fighting over Shen Gong Wu, we can go out for ice cream. I didn't know that. I was making <laughs> that up, Zane. <laughs> I know. That's what makes it perfect. Here's some of the like. Here's some of the antics that he goes under, like that they just cut away to every now and again. We're, we're like we're watching Raymundo, and he's pissed off because he he's not as good as he thinks he is, and he has to practice harder. And then cut away to Jack Spicer. He's asking one of his jackbots for ginger ale, and before saying thanks, you can go crush them now. Apropos of nothing, he there's not a whole I'm thirsty thing beforehand. He's just like before you do that. I would like some ginger ale. And then he thanks his <laughs> robot. He's like, okay, you can go crush him now. He uses the monkey staff for too long and starts turning into a monkey. Uh, he interviews a he, evil henchman, as you might see, like, at office play setting. They have this really funny dialogue where it's like, um, now, now, what are, you, what are your extracurriculars? He's like, uh, I'm very good in mayhem, or I'm very good in havoc and destruction. We're not looking for H and D right now. What else you got? <laughs> uh, he's like is, literally are said H and D. That happened or things that you could see. These these are things that happened. That's awesome. He's like I, I, I'm also you know I've I've been studying mayhem and then Wu Ya's like mm, there's always a market for mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> these are the best parts of the show. Well, one time he assembles a team of evil from history, one of which is his first grade teacher who makes him stand in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> they, 
they really like the tone of the show is like not super serious except when it is but he never is and it's always <laughs> always to the benefit it's it's a it's a nice like pavlovian that you get whenever the scene cuts away to him you're like things are about to be sweet <laughs> things are about to yeah. be funny as hell and i'm so so ready for it <laughs> um there's a moment where wuya like has the heroes on the ropes and she's like if any of you want to come to my side and betray your friends you're like here now's your chance and jack's just like uh i i would like to volunteer for this i <laughs> i am willing to betray these people please let me back and she's like it doesn't apply to you it's like well you can't blame a guy for trying <laughs> <laughs> yeah he he's treating it like the D game that it is it's it's really funny his 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 demeanor to the entire show is much less serious in a way that i think we've dealt with before where like the one character is treating it less seriously Mm -hmm. than the rest of the cast i'm wondering i got a a very ron stoppable vibe from him no 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 no, no. you use the word vibe too much say a different word okay (laughs) um (laughs) helping you grow (laughs) this is gonna be acres tall um, he reminded me of Ron Solvable, um, in, like, I, I, at, at times I thought he was the same voice actor. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's got this, he's got this sense of powering through the failure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, it doesn't, he doesn't let him slow it, it, it slow him down. He, he knows what he is and he knows, like, how to get what he wants in his archetype. And, like, if he just doesn't, like, critically think about it too much. <laughs> he's an evil genius it's like okay established this is how i get what i want let's try it a bunch a bunch of times <laughs> like the characters grow in a way that jack spicer doesn't which i'm so thankful for because he, he doesn't need, need to. to yeah oh god Let, let's stop talking about him but he's he's so good yeah and he is supervised by wuya who is the consistent actual antagonist of the show yeah there's some there's some lavo stuff about her being sealed in a container puzzle box 1500 years ago which honestly didn't really make that much importance to me it's it's all about the teens and the kids yeah let's go into the uh tone and genre if you don't mind yeah and uh the, the the thing about jack spicer being so humorous and clay being so humorous is I'm wondering about the western eastern dichotomy in this in this setting. Yes. Um it, it is not clear where one starts and the other ends. No, they're pretty well intermingled. I I had first thought because of Jack Spicer and Clay that all of the drama came from eastern and all of the comedy came from western, but it's it's not as cut and dried as that. Mhm. Because Omi's pretty comical at times and Raimundo, what is that? Eastern, Western, I don't know. Average, median. <laughs> but yeah, there's. It might just be a facet of the Western audience's age group, but the wise people in the show tend to be from Eastern society, and the headstrong people, I think, are more from Western society. Yeah, that rings true. Think so? They... I actually wasn't sure about that. I was hoping to get your take. Well, I mean, that's a consistent difference between the two. Um... You know, there's two styles of art. It's the sort of destination versus journey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Reaching for a goal rather than, like, uh, establishing a mantra. And, there's, and de- think... there's definitely some, some philosophy. There's some bodhidharma there that we don't really need to establish too hard. But, yeah, we, we, we know what we're talking about. And audience, 
you can suck it. <laughs> and I can definitely see where the idea of like Eastern drama, Western comedy comes in in that relationship between Jack Spicer and Wuya. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like um, it's that's, like that's Wild Wild West most, at times. <laughs> that's bit. where it's most clearly defined. Um, but it does it does go into the other characters and into the um, the way things are done as well. The, the Raimundo um, Omi pairing is a little bit like Wild Wild West at times. <laughs> oh, the the movie. Yeah. Did you like that movie? It had a giant metal spider train, Zane. Yeah. So you did. I I already answered your question. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> Because um, I really, <laughs> I really like that movie. I, I wouldn't say I really liked it, but I'm, I, I'm pot committed for anything with Will Smith and or Jackie Chan. So you know, whatever. Was not Jackie Chan. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't remember it very well. <laughs> I was gonna say you're thinking of Rush Hour, but that wasn't Will Smith. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a <laughs> white <laughs> guy. <the> <laughs> Eddie Murphy uh, plays a white guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that that was my take on the Eastern-Western thing. Do you have anything else to add to that? Um, that definitely feels right with me. The And I think it also develops in the, um, you know, you, you sensed more of the earlier episodes. I saw the more plot arc ones, mm-hmm. and the more serious ones felt more Eastern-inspired. Um, they spend more time in sort of these... Uh, eastern cities they go a lot more into you know the background and history of the arcane stuff well that that's also just kind of uh appealing to the audience whom is probably familiar with cityscapes and suburbs and maybe not with exotic locales but the um the it never gets too dramatic no i think this is definitely a samurai jack like you know how samurai jack like did drama but didn't always do it well Mm-hmm. This kind of recognizes that it's not going to do drama that well because <laughs> of I... how goofy a setting it is. No, well, here's the and thing. so it did comedy way better. I th- it did the comedy fine. I think it did the drama well. But yeah? the problem is, so you can have a scene where the characters are trapped inside of rock golems, and the golems are shrinking to crush them, mm. and it gets surprisingly far before the camera cuts away. Jeez. <laughs> And in the middle of that, and that's pretty dramatic, and I'm feeling it. In the middle of that, Dojo will come in and make a pun. Fucking Dojo. Like, like oh, we're in a tight spot here. This is, you know, you know Dojo. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not just him. Omi does it. Like, everybody does it. We had this problem in Generator Rex where Bobo showed up where he wasn't wanted. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you're John DiMaggio. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> but just, like, stick to, stick to your home base, man. Do it over there. Do it over there. Yeah, do it once we get back to the back to the temple. We don't need you in the middle of our drama. Although you know, I, I'm gonna still stick to my guns on this one. In in this sort of setting, I don't know how well it can do drama. It can do sort of personal progression. That's mm-hmm. not too hard. But actual drama is is is, is less. It does. Y- you can't tension. really jump there. There's tension, not necessarily drama. No, no. There's tension in the action. There's tension yes. for who's going to win. Right. But uh, that that doesn't translate over to drama directly. That just translates over to, you know, sports fandom almost. Yeah. But, uh, there, yeah. There is one more uh, Eastern influence I noticed. Oh, yeah? Um, Wuya, you know, the ghost witch, mm. 
she looks just like that evil spirit thing from Spirited Away. It's a, it's I, a, I think it's a Hanabi mask. A Hanabi mask. Do you know what that is? I'm not. I don't remember. I don't remember the implications of it. They had this one character in um, in Rurouni Kenshin, whose name was Hanya, uh, mm-hmm. and he wore one of them as well. And he was like the uh, not the titular villain, but he he was the one that like everyone kind of remembers he was dead the whole time yeah, <laughs> he could see ghosts um yeah he was he was bruce willis and uh yeah i i don't remember what the cultural implication was behind that what the cultural resonance was it's it's not like a it's sort of like a kabuki mask i guess but this one's okay. a bit different i know that the kabuki mask was uh what i i remember vague amounts of that one but it it's not quite the same I don't know how strong the resemblance was for Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. Um, while we're talking about Miyazaki, I would have appreciated a different spirit in the way of those four spirits from Princess Mononoke. Just because those things look awesome, and I only really get the Pavlovian with uh, Cactuars, and that's it's not really the same thing. Somehow I think they would have lost some of the tension. <laughs> Yeah, probably so. They could have just used one thousand needles on that uh, on that Iron Village. It'd so, be done in like ten seconds flat. So you reminded me, and I have to bring this up. You can <laughs> very well. later if you want, but I have to tell you. Okay. Um. So I was I was at uh, the old college the other day watching my old improv group do their last show of the year. Oh yeah, how'd that and, go? Uh, and it was it was really good. And one of them was a cactus, which is what you reminded me of. Like, one of them played a cactus in one scene. They were in, like, a cowboy town. Oh, sure. Those have cactuses. Just and, ask Clay. Yeah. <laughs> and there was this, uh, a couple of times where somebody would roll across the stage as a, as a tumbleweed. Mm, that's That's pretty good, actually. And what I've noticed, because I've seen this happen in improv shows before, a tumbleweed is just the right amount of ambiguous because everybody recognizes that it's a tumbleweed and nobody thinks anybody else notices so you see it happen and then everybody in the audience like whispers to each other that's a tumbleweed (laughs) (laughs) it was surreal yeah i i love jokes that are played on the audience like the joke is the audience itself (laughs) that's 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 very good it was it was a good time for me (laughs) those whole like audience performance inversions are always pretty pretty fantastic you, you heard about the one about how uh this um african african like uh tribe leader or something was like invited to an orchestra for at the philharmonic or something mm-hmm. and they asked him you know what was your favorite part and he's like the very beginning they're like you mean this the overture and they start playing and he's like no 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 the very beginning and it's actually like them tuning their instruments because that was like the most like uh <laughs> tactile part and the least like presentation minded part and it just made everyone feel super shallow oh that's awesome yeah (laughs) i love those (laughs) that's the sort of thing that i might expect from this show just like how some characters are so much more eastern minded than others yeah it's it's a kind of it brings up a weird point which is uh you know plot wise what exactly is the purpose like how do you induct your teenagers with attitude into this monastery and why is this the only monastery yeah, because well, these I mean, are, you said these are worldwide artifacts. Yeah, Doja's a dragon. You can fly him there. You don't need more than one. Um, and I don't really need an explanation for those why, uh, why there's only one. I don't. It's not like an MIB situ- situation where like uh-huh. it's clearly an active force in the world. No, this is like 
ancient wisdom that's very reactionary. Only one guy stayed behind just to make sure. Mm. Makes sense to me that there would be only one. What I don't get is why they choose Raimundo. <laughs> that that's the weird part to me. Like mm, chosen in the prophecy, something something. A child from wherever Brazil. will do something. Surfs yeah. up. Surfs up. <laughs> yeah. Like, there was something that kind of hinted at maybe there was, like, this dynasty thing in that um, Clay's father was actually the possessor of one of the Shen Gong Wu. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like he called it the Lone Star of Texas, and he wore it on his, like, collar, and it was actually the Star of Hanabi. Oh, that's neat. This is a little bit neat. It like made you think. Like, well, maybe there's a reason that Clay is here. Like, there's some there's some <laughs> threads that suggest like a lineage, like a noble lineage. And given uh-huh. how diverse the the cast is, given how long it took to, it, like you, you know, said, fifteen hundred years. Yeah. years that, that's totally viable. Maybe maybe the lineages have like diversified in such a way. It's to- totally reasonable. Did you see um, when uh, any episodes where they went back in time to 1,500 years ago and they met Master Daishi? No, but I did see the one where uh, Jack Spicer went forward in time to get the best evil genius there ever was, old Jack Spicer. What an asshole. And, <laughs> and Omi's like, there's only one thing that can defeat this, the best hero of all time. He goes and gets old Omi and they do like a, a Dexter's Lab ego trip slap fight sort of situation. Okay, that, that's pretty awesome. It's not bad. <laughs> Um, there's a great scene with uh, Master Dashi where um, he's like, he, like Omi goes back in time to get his help, and he's like, yeah, I'll help you if you can get this pebble from my hand. <laughs> he just takes it. And they, you know, no, no, they like jump all around the city, mm. um, and he, like Omi can't do it because like, he's the master. And as time's running out, he's just like... May I please have the pebble? He's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what you get, Omi. Come on, man. Eastern politeness. This show had a had a lot to... A lot of good moments that I'm remembering that were pretty solid, I think. Yeah, did, did you think that you liked this show while watching it? I did. I did. I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. It, it doesn't... Like, if you read the plot synopsis, it seems like a show that I wouldn't like. I I hadn't heard of the plot synopsis ahead of time. I just didn't like. I don't know when I saw like showdown. I yeah. was like, is this another battle? Like uh, what's Beyblade or something? Yeah, Beyblade. Is this one of those again? No, no. It's like I'm yeah. not into that. Oh, of course not. Um, let, let's talk about the like the background, um, the, like the background environment for this plot line a little bit. Sure. Um, in that. The fact that it's located in a monastery, but, like, they can visit anywhere they want. This must have been just an anachronism truffle for you. Like, you must have loved this. It was pretty great. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to force that on you or anything. I know you love anachronism, and this kind of had it I all do. over the place. I do. I think it was so well integrated with the plot that I didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, you know, uh, Omi, like... Kimi, Kimiko, like, shows Omi, like, this video game, and he's like, oh, it's, you know, so fascinating, all this stuff. <laughs> um, 
but like he he's clearly been around the world. He he's just cute. Like always, oh, just a cute guy. <laughs> I, this is a character that could not possibly exist. No, no, for, absolutely for be- reasons beyond the whole like water bending. Raymundo does exist, and I don't like him very much. <laughs> he's like every fifth person. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a there's. One of my favorite anachronism moments is in, the, I think, my favorite episode, which is My Homie Omi, where Omi just gets lost in New York City and, it, like, in a New York City ghetto and, like, watches a basketball game and gets threatened by some, like, uh, some, uh, some basketball street, guys. Street toughs. Street oh, toughs, yeah. yeah, 50 street toughs. And um, basically befriends someone who might as well be from a Spike Lee movie, uh, Jermaine. <laughs> and then they have a two on two basketball. Uh, Shaolin showdown against Jack Spicer <laughs> and a giant robot Jack Spicer. <laughs> you gotta love his consistency. You know, Jack Spicer has fucking style, is what he has. <laughs> he like he's not always reasonable. He's like, I don't want to just get the Shengong Wu. I want to beat the heroes. He's got fucking style. He really does. Speaking of style, there's this uh, one one stylistic choice of the show, and this is the last thing I have to say about it is just that. In that it it emphasizes the comedy behind it, there's some very funny moments that I didn't think were going to happen, and they really caught me off guard. Just oh, because, yeah? well, it's like straight through and through action, so when a comedy happens in the middle of my action, you know, normally I dislike that sort of inconsistency in a scene, mm. but here it's like, it, it, it like just makes you laugh at yourself a little bit for taking it too seriously. It like pokes right. the wind out of your sails in a really nice way. There's a there's this one one of the times Jackbot one of the Jackbots is facing down Clay, who makes a grimace that is so stern that the Jackbot just up and commits suicide. I don't know how to feel about any. And he, he just <laughs> like, pushes so a button. He like, he like looks at Clay. Clay gives him a, his best Clint Eastwood, and the guy just like, yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> gave a nice little Texan Chuck Norris growl, and and the robot just like pressed a button on his chest like he was like a putty patrolman yeah suicide (laughs) it's weird you know but that's exactly the kind of thing jack would program into them like speaking of jack and comedy it's not even like limited to it's not even limited to the like uh the humans like sometimes wuya gets in on it like the most serious character in the show yeah um where like Jack will like one of the episodes was uh was I think it was Biggest Texas where Clay and his dad reconciled about something or other at the end of the episode and Jack and Wuya are like watching it mm-hmm. after like in a pile of robot corpses and Aww. Jack is just like turns to her and he's just like why don't we have a relationship like that and <laughs> Wuya says I'm not your mommy now pick up your toys Jackie and let's go home <laughs> like it, like it's just like. I kind of like comedy that. coming from sources you don't expect in a show that is not that serious is yeah you wouldn't expect it to be this complex or like self-aware it, it kind of constantly goes back and forth between deciding how complex it is uh-huh in in a way that's kind of pleasantly disorienting and I think um like it's got range yeah and I think some of that stems from the fact that like the Shengong Wu can kind of do whatever you want them to. They, they also vary in seriousness, don't they? <laughs> well, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's this undercurrent shows up, and like, oh, yeah, this one's awesome. It will make you super strong. Or, like, this one will help you jump. And, and then... This one turns you into monkey. Yeah, this one turns you into a monkey. Or, like, whatever. <laughs> and 
they're so wildly inconsistent <laughs> that you just have to be okay with it if you're going to get anything out of it. This is a show where you very much have to show up accepting the premise of the show. Yeah. There's um, shows where that is not necessary. Like, Samurai Jack will sell you on its dramatic tension after a few episodes. You don't have to immediately accept the premise that Warrior is trying to get to the past and he's noble and blah, blah, blah. This mm-hmm. show, you can't really watch any of it without understanding what it's trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> or at least accepting hey man, it on, on its face. There's going to be a fight scene now. Maybe a little teenage angst. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's all better now. Yep. Here's another fight scene. Here's another fight scene at the end, just, you know, because the first one wasn't quite enough. We got to end on a high ampage note. <laughs> we got we got a quota to fill. <laughs> quota. We have one to get all of the episode. MacGuffins in order so that we can have this awesome plot line at the end of the season. <laughs> like yeah. the powers are like they're like you said they're like D and D artifacts. They they like, very much are. They're magic. They're thematic items. and cool, but they're abused so much. Like, but oh, I yeah. liked them. I liked that they like had such variety and they could use them in different ways. It's like um, you remember that show Heroes? Yes. It was like that in terms of the powers. Like, sometimes they would discover they could do something new with this. Except you didn't have to meet a bunch of new characters all the time. No, it's the same characters, but they do new shit. And I think that's a really good balance. It's the job system, Zane. It's just the job system. system. White dragon. Oh my gosh, it is. Wind dragon, water dragon. Except it's not the job system, it's materia. It is materia. You're super right. (laughs) I forgot. No, 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 no. I feel no. less good about it now. No, 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 no. You're not leveling up the item. You're leveling up yourself based on what item you're using. It's more like uh, Magicite. Okay. We can agree. All then. right. We have a quorum. Let's <laughs> shake on it. Uh, I shook my mic. Want to talk about... With the uh, fist of Tebby Gong. Want to talk about audio? No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's probably fine. So, you want to talk about Jack Spicer? Can we talk about Jack Spicer? <laughs> Got this man. He's not a barbarian. Okay, so, um, are we doing are we doing uh, audio now? Yeah, let's do audio. Okay, this is where I think the eastern and western influences were very nicely delineated. Yes, because the fighting music is pretty much you know your classic pump up western like action music. It, it's and it's a straight up uh, it's a straight up western movie in the clay episode. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, it's really awesome. I'm used to just this sort of like uh, droning, like moving fast sort of tempo action sequence oh, kind yeah. of sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in non-fighting scenes, you know, it... it it has this clear Eastern influence. Mm. I'm not cultured enough to determine which one, which neither, is embarrassing. Neither are they. But it's embarrassing because I took a class. That, that's, like, kind of not great. Tell us about the class, though. <laughs> uh, it was just a world music class, and one of them was uh, Korea. I could tell that this... I'm, I'm pretty certain this isn't Korean music, but I don't remember anything about it. The, uh, the thing about the action scene being, like, uh, you know, the, the main... The main pinnacle of every episode, I think, is fair to say, is the Shaolin Showdown. Um, oh, absolutely! And and whenever that happens, it's always going to be a fitting, uh, it's going to be a fitting musical interlude in a way that I think it actually has a one up on Jackie Chan Adventures. Yeah, like it just 
it resonates more strongly and it makes you know a lot of the times the jackie chan adventures fight scenes were all jackie chan beats up ratso again you know <laughs> which is great I, like i don't mind that that's you know <laughs> there's something to be said for consistency and beating up ratso um mm-hmm. and the consistency of that thereof but it's it just wasn't that varied and special every time Right. The Shaolin showdowns feel special every single time, and that's partially because animation, which we'll get into and we'll we'll probably talk about for a half hour. <laughs> but and it's also about music because like you kind of have like this thudding bass riff if they're in a volcano. Yeah. You have the Western thing for Clay's like uh, like like uh, haystack hoedown or whatever. <laughs> I really hope that's the name of the song. No, but they say uh, they say Shaolin Ho down at one point. It's pretty great. That's amazing. It's hip hop for a basketball game. It's oh, it's yeah. just very it's just so varied in the most interesting part of the show. Let's go Shaolin Showdown. Yeah, it, it's kind of. It is a departure from the real world of the show in in a way that like they take every advantage to sh- to get that across. Oh yeah, like and the way you say it's a departure from the real world, they, they make no apologies for that. They wholeheartedly embrace it in every part of the Shaolin Showdown uh, yeah. segments. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's also talk um, about the intro music. Yeah, <laughs> which I think is great. I went back and forth a bit. Really. I I don't know. It, it felt very. The whole intro was just sort of like it was whatever. Like I I didn't get into it. I wasn't against it. I was just like, all right, get done so that I can watch. <laughs> you know, I can watch them have a Shaolin showdown where they're collecting acorns. Yep, yep. Most acorn wins. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I I think that I think that the intro is pretty great actually. And it did have oh, yeah. the whole Jack Spicer, it starts to go into a sort of a rock beat thing. Mm-hmm. And it's got one of those like quick cuts between the heroes and the villains screaming at each other and then just colliding. They have a fake-out ending to the intro theme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where it just fades to black and the music ends, and then it picks right back up. Yep. And zoom out. What is Omi's what face? Is the point Bam. Of that? I don't get it. The dots on Omi's forehead of questionable ethnicity. Yeah. Um, yes. So, animation? Yeah. I, I think we should look, like you said, the Shaolin showdowns. This is where the show really excels. Not to they, state it again, but it needs to be said. The environments get so much... They get bigger, but they also get more detail. The way we said it before, which was just that the world recognizes how awesome this segment is and just puts <laughs> all of its dramatic focus on it, I think yeah. it is really exactly what happens. It's like, you know how in an anime, when somebody gets really emotional, their head gets huge? <laughs> this is the world doing that. This is the world recognizing how big of a deal it is that they collect the Shengong Wu. And a lot of times it's like, yeah, like you said, rocks turn into pillars, uh, streams turn into oceans, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trees turn into these huge things. But it also gets, they get creative sometimes. In one case, a city turns into an M.C. Escher maze. <laughs> yep, that's pretty good. That they have to navigate. The basketball court jumps off of the earth and suddenly they're floating in a 30, like, like, a, like a three times as long basketball court in space. <laughs> yeah, I need to watch this episode. Why not? Yeah, it was great. Apparently, Jermaine comes back in a different episode and doesn't fucking have an element. 
but he's just so sweet that they let him be a dragon anyway. <laughs> By the <laughs> way, great. one of the aborted plot arcs, I think, was Jack turning good for good, and he was going to be the dragon of metal. Ooh. Which, like, I didn't need another reason to like Jack Spicer. Yeah. But I will accept it. The dragon of metal. Yeah, because, like, he's crafting all the bots. Yeah, no, that's it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, he, that's more fitting to his character than any, <laughs> any other of the actual dragons. <laughs> um, I maintain yeah. that clay is very suited to Earth. <laughs> um, what do so you have the, to say about the uh, animation? Uh, aside from the Shaolin Showdowns? Mm, go ahead and give me your opinion on the Shaolin Showdowns. No, no, I mean, I said what I had I, okay. to, but aside from that... Mm-hmm. I only have one I other thing say, to say. I will say that the animation is very consistent, except when it suddenly isn't. <laughs> Explain. So, you know... I, I'm sorry I keep shouting that at you, like you're at, like, a And then deposition. you judge me for saying vibe. <laughs> you should stop um, saying vibe. However, <laughs> however, uh, I shouldn't shout explain at you as though you're on trial. Um, so, like, the body... Position to treat the podcaster as hostile. <laughs> sustained <laughs> sustained by the person i'm gonna be treating hostile you're out of order i challenge you to a challenge showdown um so like the bodies are pretty simple most people's heads are just circles <laughs> um like the they're they look the same there's none of this random morphing like the scaled stays consistent um relative to each other not necessarily the world um but sometimes they will fade into this animish type of way where, um, you know, we saw this a lot in Cromarty High School. Something will just be ex- suddenly just extremely accentuated. I didn't notice this at all. I was about to say I was glad they didn't do, like, that Teen Titans chibi animation that's, thing. That's what it is. It they, is. I didn't see I any th- of it. They didn't do it a ton in the first season, but they got more into it. Yeah. Like, um, is this a thing that keeps happening with shows we watch where the first season is just the best? No, um, you know what? That's not true because Harvey Birdman didn't catch his stride until the first season. The first season, I think, is usually different from any other season in a lot of the shows we look at. That's true. That's and true. I think that does have to... I, I don't know it's why that's... It's not inherently a bad thing. Is that inherent to anime? Or animation, I mean? Like, is that is that something that happens in a lot of, in a lot of shows? Uh, I... I I'm sure that there's some graduation there where it's, like, a factor different from, like, live shows, but it's the same cause. Like, they're trying to find their feet. They're getting feedback from the demographic. You know, they're doing some market research. It's yeah. it's kind of necessarily has to be different from the first season unless they have a very— unless they, like, scripted out season multiple seasons in advance. I guess that makes sense. Uh, that's, that's just my, like— complete well, I, un, un, unacquainted <laughs> like random viewers look at bi- the the business of animation i think it might also be like if you're live action like if you're watching somebody perform it's a lot easier to typecast them and it's a lot easier to pigeonhole them and you know the subtleties of their character get across so you can't really change them as much mm, maybe I, I i don't know how i could prove or disprove that but Egberts, uh, do your homework and get back to us on this. Do work so that we don't have to in the <laughs> one thing that we do. I'm quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quiet sorry. <laughs> uh, what, did, what did you want to say about the animation? Uh, I wanted to call attention to their elemental, 
I don't know how else oh, to put the, them besides the splash page. Splash pages is is, is yeah. what it feels like. They they state their element. They kind of scream it a little bit. They do a little calling your attacks business, and then you see the same cut image of them around their element, and then it just jumps back into the scene. Sometimes they yeah. use the element. Sometimes they don't. But the thing that it reminded me of was uh, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice, because <laughs> yes. you know we had the transformation sequence, and every time one of these happens, it's the same as every other time. Yes. But because it was so short and because it looked cool, I still enjoyed watching it. It's like 10 seconds as opposed to 30. It's a big difference. <laughs> in there, there's, It's below my threshold of boredom. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, I don't have anything else to say, I don't think. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty much done as well. Um, we we could spend a little more time talking about um, Jack Spicer. <laughs> you know, I really don't think that we talked enough about him. We'll we'll have to bring him up in later episodes. I imagine we will. Like among the affable villain graduation, where is Jack Spicer? Because he's certainly not like the mastermind sort of villain. He's just the quirky, affable, like sort of doomed to failure every time sort of villain. He's one step above Draken and one step below the meme version of Skeletor. <laughs> I, I don't really think that the meme version of Skeletor is is that uh, recognizable. Like, it has star power, but I kind of like Jack Spicer better. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, maybe maybe a bit less than Chuckles the Silly Piggy? <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that Jack Spicer is better than Chuckles the Silly Piggy. Yeah, I think that's he's true. Part, he's pretty far up on that scale. I don't think I can put him above uh, of uh, above uh, what's his face, pirate, Long John Silver. But that's <laughs> like not a fair comparison because it's an animated feature. This might be I my think favorite. That, like I, this would be a good category second. for our uh, Cartoni Awards, the most fun villain. Guys, the Cartoni Awards. Literally, me and Zane are talking about it, and we're both hype about it. Don't you want to be like two people <laughs> who are hype about it? Numbers can't be wrong. Among the two of us, we're all excited. <laughs> There's only so many ways I can spin the fact that nobody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> it's even well, harder to do it in a positive way. Um, we're trying. <laughs> yeah, we're doing our best. Uh, Zena, I'd like to. I'd like to hear your overall thoughts of how this show stacks up to maybe jackie chan adventures or just like kind of kung fu action shows in general because i think that's over overall i think that's the genre that it fits into best yeah even though there's much more to it i jackie chan adventures has a lot of nostalgia pull for me and i Mm. think the characters were better developed and more interesting to watch um in isolation Mm. I think the action is comparable, if a little more monotonous. What is? Um, in, in Jackie Chan Adventure, like, Jackie fighting the same guy is more monotonous, but um, I think in terms of how interesting it is to look at, I think it's comparable to this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't think we mentioned it, but the fight choreography, generally pretty good. I, I would uh, go as far as to say it's great. Mm-hmm. Like, it always, it always looks unique. Sometimes they do this awesome, like... Uh, you know, power axe, power lance, like they all join up at once and mm-hmm. like rush the opponent with all their styles at the same time. It's pretty cool. In in this weird way, I felt like Shaolin Showdown did tension better 
and did like comedy better but overall was still not as good yeah it's it's not as <laughs> i don't know how to describe it's it. weird because like the more we talk about it the more it seems like we might just like shaolin showdown better and i, I think we're both trying to veer away from that obvious in, in- incorrect statement <laughs> right <laughs> but we, we're not quite sure how to how to categorize it i think i think the best way to put it is just like jackie chan adventures is a better holistic experience than Shaolin Showdown, right. but and I, I on a day-to-day it, watching basis, like if you are coming into something, one of these shows fresh, probably just jump into Shaolin Showdown. Yeah, and then um, like if you're willing to commit to a gargoyles-esque rampage, <laughs> just watch all of Jackie Chan Adventures for at least the first two seasons. You know what I think the advantage of Jackie Chan Adventures might be mm. is that um, you knew ahead of time how many magic trinkets there were. Um, oh yeah it it can kind of go jump the shark because because in this show the only reason that there became an epic finale of any given season is because it was the end of the season yeah they forced it they absolutely did there was no reason to have it other than like time time uh, to end the season how many do you have i got eight we got like 13 you want to have a big fight i I guess (laughs) yeah it does seem like they like like aim messaged each other like a little jackpot, and it's got like frowning Drunk eyebrows. Texts. Yeah. <laughs> oh me, I miss you. I want to fight. Oh my god. The jackpots are the jackpots are cold. <laughs> I never have show, show showdowns like we used to have. I can only go back in time two seconds. It's not enough. The mechanics are there, but the passion is gone. <laughs> of the uh, of the villains, Wu Ya versus uh, Shen Du. What do you think? Uh, I, I actually like... really like Valmont, though. Yeah, Valmont's killer. Val- Valmont wins in the villain race. Yeah. Jack Spicer's this weird, this weird, uh, this weird special place in villainy, in that yeah. he is like an immature kid. You don't get that yeah. much. Have you ever like? This might sound vague. Have you ever been part of something and you are just all in? You're so happy about it. It's like the most important thing in the world to you. And then it's over and you kind of like never think about it again. Uh, I'm never part of something. So you might like have to walk me through Like in a play or like a summer camp or like anything like that? I actually think I uh, generally, I, I think I get what you're saying. And I think I generally tend to shy away from stuff like that just because like logic is is against me <laughs> on those sort of situations. It, yeah. It's funny you mention it, it because we I was really trying to find the uh, Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, and uh, I sort of, for the first time, like, stopped myself and was like, I'm acting like a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm legitimately a sports fan right now. <laughs> like, for, for, the, for the listeners, come. I actually do boxing as a hobby, so it's, I'm not like, you know, one of 8,000 8, drunk heads in Philly just walking around like, yeah, the best boxer ever, like... I actually had some skin in the game, so to speak. Like, this was something that I care about, and so I sort of get what you mean. But I'm less—I'm yeah. part of less know. things than you are. For me, sometimes I get way in over my head, and I'm like, "Yes, this is something meaningful, and I will treasure it forever." This is and life. then a week later, I'm like, "I'm tired," and that's kind of how I feel with Jack Spicer. <laughs> like I am—I am committing to him 100. percent But when it's over, you know, I got to move on. And Valmont's there. To, to hold me. Valmont is always there to pick you up when you're down. It is true. Zane, uh, do you have anything else to say? 
Um, watch Shaolin Showdown. Watch Shaolin Showdown. It it's it's pretty good. Uh, give it, of the give WB, it a chance. To give it a chance. That's a good way to put it. Like, if you're into it, you'll really like it. And if you're not into it, it's like 20 minutes. And you will know immediately. You will know within like five minutes whether you're into it. Because <laughs> it starts out with uh, a Shaolin Showdown and ends with a Shaolin Showdown. So if you yep. like either the beginning or the end, congratulations. You just found a cool show. I, I'm so glad that we watched this. I would almost yeah. consider it like a hidden gem. I would never have considered it myself. Mm-hmm. And I only considered it because it had the goofiest name, but I'm so glad that it turned out as good as it did. <laughs> I tried that with Generator Rex, and it did not go well. You know, it totally did, man. We have Van Kleiss and Jack Spicer back-to-back badasses. Ugh, so good. <laughs> Just philosophizing um, back and forth to each other. <laughs> well... Let us see if our next episode can uh, reach those heights. Yeah. We are going to be checking out Pepper Ann. It's true. Um, I checked. I've done my research. She is indeed much too cool for seventh grade. <laughs> uh, is she like one in a million? I forget if we if we came down on this or not. I think so. All right. I haven't found anything against that yet. There's no con- counterexamples? None. Maybe if you figured out whom the other 9,999... Nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine in a million were. You could get there by process of elimination. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, you're right. Screw it. <laughs> Screw it. She's like a number in a million. Pepper. And Ann. then uh, Ben, our bootlegged su- segment is coming up for number forty. Yeah, you probably said that correct. What? Nothing. Um. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, my my audio cut out for a minute. So yeah, no, it's fine. Um. Yeah, we we got another bootleg segment, and I think what Zane and I have been discussing is that we generally choose kind of solid home run stuff. We both know it's going to be great, and then it turns out being great, and while those are fun to talk about, I I think we both wanted to do something that was maybe a little bit more of a risk. So um, what I have decided for the bootleg segment, and I think I have Zane's semi-blessing, like, you know... Semi-automatic blessing. Okay. Hey, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the semi-automatic blessing of Lim Fao Jing Tae right. um, is going to cast his blessing on uh, the name of the film that I chose and forgot the name of. You're a beautiful um, <laughs> Zane, I totally forgot what we were doing. Help me out here. You never told me. A scanner darkly. I... A scanner darkly. Okay. That's what we're <laughs> doing. Were... We, I gave you like three choices and you never <laughs> you, got back. You to showed me. me the world and I spat on the ground. <laughs> yeah, so we were we were choosing between a couple and we went with the one that we were not sure whether it would be good or not. I'm pretty sure it is, but it's certainly different both in animation and tonally than anything we've and, done before. Right, and and we were considering you know push it back to fifty, but I think um, in terms of our um, scrambled segment, doing different animation styles mm. versus bootlegged. We don't really want those to overlap. Yeah. So we it's will just have too like a few opportunities. Yeah. We'll have like a 50th and a 51st or 49th. We'll, we'll figure it out then. And then cap it off with our uh, Cartoni Awards. Just so that well, you I guys think, forget yeah. what it exactly it is we do. Which yeah. Which is not much. Um, so we're hoping to put that out, you know, on or on or around the one year ish anniversary. I'm going to put it all around the one year. Going to whip it out, put it around the one year. Sad dick. Yep. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's both of us. So <laughs> Come on, Ben. You know you know how this works. Done talking about you, what we're doing next. If you like 
uh, the show. If you like oh, the man. show, Zane, you've got this. Zane, I can do this. Um, if you, if you, if you like, what leave we're a doing, like on the pot on the Facebook of Justice. Leave a like on our Facebook page. We really appreciate the comments. Um, there's been a few people who have been recurring on our comments. Guys, don't stop doing it. I know we don't bring them up much because there's not many people who comment on them. We do read everything that you guys post. And yes. uh, yeah, beyond that, go ahead and like our like the Facebook page. Tell your friends about the show. Go on our website, www.cartoncast.com. Submit a decision for the Cartoni Award so that we have a lot of categories to choose from and can really make uh, in a, uh, an egg salad out of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, for now, I believe we both just touched the Shen Gong Wu at the same time. So, oh, uh, shit. I, I challenge you to a Shaolin Showdown.